Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co-host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go. Hi, welcome to our podcast. All right. So I am going to, you use the term frequently swinging for the fences. So I'm going to try to swing for the fences on this one. You're right. Yeah, great. What if the way we explain the world determines how we experience the world? Yeah, that's totally accurate. What if the way we explain the world determines how we experience the world? Where does that take you? Takes me to Qui-Gon Jinn, played by Liam Neeson in episode one, The Phantom Menace. Be mindful of your thoughts, Anakin. Your focus determines your reality. That is a quote verbatim, and it is a good quote. So that's a Star Wars yes. reference, because you, you just rattled that off so quickly. There's some of us that maybe don't have that in the file drawer as handy as you do. Uh, can you set the scene for that and why that's important? That is an old Jedi who is wise, seasoned, has made it out of early adulthood and is in a state of mentorship. And he is giving coaching to the child that eventually becomes Darth Vader, hmm. who's an interesting character. And I know Star Wars, some people view it as more of a children's style uh, set of trilogies. The new movies were garbage. The original <laughs> trilogy was really great. The second, uh, the prequels were very meme worthy. They were kind of hilarious. But there were nuggets just like in, in everything, right? You can find that diamond in the rough no matter what you're reading or watching, even if it's not stated explicitly, you can find a good message. But I really enjoyed that message of mentorship and just saying your focus determines your yeah. reality. And that's so, gosh, is that true? So we've talked about technology before and the attention economy and how people's attention is diverted into places that they're not necessarily in control of. If you look at something with which we're all familiar, look at something like Instagram where your input is the same. You're just scrolling and you can't really predict where your attention is going to be drawn because there is a seemingly random set of images and videos that get place before you. So it's a wedding photo. All of a sudden it's a picture of a stake. Then it's a picture of a forest. Then it's somebody hang gliding. Then it's a picture of a party and your friends. And this pulls you in all these different directions. And what that, why that's important is that we cannot hone our focus because our focus is in a lot of ways being determined for us. Mm. So if we want our focus to determine a reality that is God-centric, we generally have to be more intentional about it and realize 
okay, these are the things that are actively pulling away from my ability to keep my eyes on the proverbial prize. That's interesting. Do you, so do you think focus then is a subset of the way we're explaining the world? Because to me, I think those might be a little bit separate in terms of what I focus on, I move towards versus how I'm explaining and making sense of the world around me. The explanation comes after the focus, right? I think it would, it would be how we synthesize the information we are exposed to and how we either integrate or discard that information to place it in our larger worldview, that story of ourselves, about ourselves, of others, about others. And How, how important is it that we have the right way of explaining the world around us? You tell me. <laughs> let me just go ahead and gambit and let you fill in the blank. Because this is something that you're quite passionate about. That's something that I've come to really appreciate about you and the way that you view not just your reality, but the reality of other people. And that has allowed you to help people in that you get people to focus on a couple different key themes. But the theme that I would explore here is simply the word story. Right? Yep. So go into that. Go into our worldview and our story, the connection between those things and where we fall into side plots that are taking us off of our story. I'm going to just turn it over to you. Well, to me, I like the story emphasis. Because it's it's that how do we make meaning of this? How do we explain this? And that's why I asked the question, how important is that? I mean, to me, there's there's two different channels. There's the the world out there, and then there's my personal operating system, right? And different people like to talk about the big ideas. I often like to say, How has my explanation of the world around me, uh, what I experienced as a child from the relationship with my parents, from relationship with the church, from my relationship with the Bible, all of those things, how has that shaped my present experience in life right now? I think it's enormous, and I think that's part of the heart of wisdom to say, in what way is my explanation of the world around me taking me in the right direction, and in what way is it not taking me in the right direction? Information plus emotion plus spirit might equal story. Yeah. I often try to encourage people to be careful with our conclusions because things happen and then we make certain conclusions. I know I know a man who um, lost someone dear to him when he was younger and he made a vow that was so painful, I'm never going to let anyone close to me again the rest of my life. And his explanation the world is full of pain. I'm going to try to sidestep some of this pain by distancing myself from from people as created as current experience for him and the people around him. This gives me a what if question to be applied to many a situation is what if this isn't happening to me? What if this is happening for me? I think that opens up some story possibilities. 
It does. And it, it, it does a good job of challenging our conclusions because we, again, we've talked so often and sometimes that's the heart of learning is continuing to talk about something often. What was my first thought when that happened? Because first thought's not always the best thought. My, Rarely. My first thought is, oh no, the world sucks. It's a place full of pain and people and closeness represents more pain. Therefore, I need to create distance, right? That's a challenging place to explore, though, especially with the loss of a loved one, to bridge that gap from to me to for me. That's, in a lot of ways, we don't want that to rob somebody of their grieving process, I would think. Because you couldn't, I would feel very... I would feel as though that would be an inappropriate question to somebody who had just lost a loved one and be like, well, what if this is actually a huge positive? That's not necessarily the appropriate place because everybody needs their time to digest. And a story is not authored in an instant, right? Right. It's an ongoing process and everybody's moving at their own speed using their own language and finding the story that works for them. Although, how many of us are living out stories that don't actually work for us? That's, that's the tricky part, is how long do we hold on to conclusions that are leading us towards a story that's not actually being authored by God, it's being authored by us, and we're doing a pretty crappy job by comparison, I think this is something that you mentioned to me months and months ago is what if you're not the author of your story? You're the author of some elements, maybe a couple sentences here and there. But isn't it a little bit absurd to think that you're the primary architect of not just your story, but the story and the interlocking uh, set of stories that is unfolding everywhere in simultaneity. Yeah. And that's why I love that inviting God into a moment to say, can you help me make the right meaning of this? Help, help me find the right story, right? Help me. And that's one of the important things of reading through the pages of the Bible is we get to see the operating system that Jesus walked with. And he had a very different way of looking at people, challenges, even, even the evil people around us. Uh, he looked at them so differently. He had a very different explanation of the world, and it made him experience the world in a very different way. So what are some key techniques for reclaiming one's story or getting the real authentic story and not our hurried spark notes, cliff notes version. Yeah. Because that's, that's how we view our stories, isn't it? As a series of events and bullet points and that, we leave a lot of stuff out that's probably pretty important. Yeah. And I don't know if we give ourselves enough slack where we deserve it. 
or hammer down when we say, oh, well, I, I could affect that. Yeah. I could affect that. I don't know if we can do that in isolation. I think my first response is we have to share our explanation with people around us and give them permission to mold it, get some Play-Doh out, right? <laughs> and mold it a little bit. And if someone loving is going to say, well, could it be? And what if we challenge that? And what if, would it look like if, um, to, to, we, I, I think it's very difficult for us in isolation to see where our explanation is wrong. Most of us are explaining the world around us through wounds, through uh, fears, through so many filters that are automatically going to shade it in a very horrible, catastrophic way that it's going to be really hard to land in a healthy place without someone coming along and going, huh, well, okay, yeah, that's I can, I can understand how that would be one of your ideas. Are there other options for explaining that? I feel like our flesh is so geared towards seeking and being aware of scarcity, fear, and woundedness. But that's where God completely rewrites the script, where it's abundance, love, and acceptance, connection. So if left to our own devices, I think we will default to negative stories. Yeah, I think that's almost, that's all but an inevitability. I don't think that is a character defect of any true. of any individual that's i think that's how most people operate without the lens of god but I, I, so well said and are we creating a safe place in the relationships around us where people can actually feel the freedom and acceptance to actually kick the tires on their explanation I mean that's that's a deep thing. That's a personal thing. This is this is these were some of the traumatic things that happened in my life and these were my conclusions. These are where my takeaways and this is my current experience. All we have right now is the touch point of a current experience and experiencing someone who's distancing themselves from us, pushing us away, um ridiculing us whatever it might be. Okay, so to your point, we need to create a space of acceptance and love to probably help that person challenge an explanation that's leading to a very unhealthy, dissatisfying current experience. I think you're totally on point though, in that it is a team exercise. I would not have spiritual conversations, the likes of which we've, had and explored over the past couple of years, if not for you, I want to make that abundantly clear that I would be on a different path if you weren't here saying, nah, I've been in the spiritual authoring program a little bit longer than, than you have. I'd like to share a couple insights so you don't necessarily have to make the same storytelling mistakes. Yes, And I think that is something that's missing both on the giving end and the receiving end in that I feel bad for people who don't get to receive that storytelling coaching in the way that I've been so fortunate to receive it. But I also feel as though 
wouldn't, let me ask you as a question, would something be missing if you weren't allowed to teach and share the messages? Isn't it as important to receive those messages as it is to share it as they come to you and say, I actually have some key ideas for how we could tweak that story. They're not all my ideas. A lot of these came from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's something really satisfying about teaching and mentoring as well as receiving the mentorship. I think there are special relationships that maybe some people who are listening to this right now are experiencing. Maybe they're not experiencing it. Maybe there's just this grand spectrum. But when you get linked up with other people who are excited about your story, that changes things, doesn't it? It does. It really does. People who care enough to give you permission to have your explanation, but also loving and patient enough to just kind of poke at it a little bit, mold it. That's why I kind of like the Play-Doh analogy. I used to hate the way Play-Doh smelled. I don't know. Play-Doh just smelled weird. It's not the it? best. Not the best. No. Um, and it got hard very quickly. I always was very disappointed as a child. Um, and I could never really make the thing that I was envisioning in my mind. <laughs> Isn't that true? Plato's not the best. I have this car. I have a picture of this car, this race car I'm going to make. And I look at it and I'm like, looks like a turtle. I have no idea what that thing is, right? And maybe that's the way it is with our stories too, that we have a picture in our mind of the stories and the explanation. And we need other people to come along and say, oh, could it be? Maybe. I know Cherish has done that for me. She's, she's been a great sounding board being so honest with each other. Um, she's able to say, well, that, yeah, okay. I can see how you would be feeling that way. And is it possible? And she brings, uh, just divergent thoughts and questions that allow me to give a different explanation to a story. Think about the relational steps that happen as a precursor to the pair of you earning the right to give each other feedback on storytelling. Think about how important that is in that if you're going to, if you're going to be able to trust somebody and that they're going to help you see your story more accurately, there's a lot of relational connection and depth that comes. I don't know if you can build that entirely before you step into that, but pursuing those things in tandem that's mission critical, right? Yeah. I'm not going to take story advice from some dope <laughs> in the cereal aisle if he came up to me and be like, listen, I get the sense that you're doing things all wrong, pal. And I would say, who are you? Right. Who are you and why should I listen to a damn thing you're saying? Right. So how important is for us is it to have those deep relationships in order to tell the correct story. If we don't have that sense of first love with God and Jesus, then we have a hard time figuring out how to have healthy relationships with other people. But if we don't have those healthy relationships with other people, it's really hard to get that, as you would say, right-sized story. Right. So it's this cascading effect that 
says, okay, we need our loving relationship with God, which will allow ourselves to connect with other people, which will allow ourselves, we're going to be able to tell the correct stories and also earn the right to tell people and ask people questions that will get them to challenge their beliefs about stories that they haven't really examined, or maybe they're just holding on to something that isn't serving them because even though it's incorrect, it's still fundamental to their identity. Yes. And I think that's one of the, I love what you said. And I think it's one of the things that's remarkable and amazing about Jesus is that he, he didn't allow people to stay with their explanation and their experience. He reached his hand down and said, Hey, can I help you find a different explanation of who you are, right? And the Pharisees went kicking and screaming. Yes, because they loved their explanation because it was working for them. It was providing an experience. Or so they thought. Boy, okay, respect, admiration, pride. I'm better than than the people around me. For, For all intents and purposes, for what they wanted in this world, it was delivering quite a bit. And that's part of what they were revolting against, is Jesus says, I want to give a different explanation. I, I, I want you to find a different story. That should give us a sense of pause and compassion towards those who are struggling to alter the story or to come to Jesus in the first place. Because if we look at our country right now, if we look at a lot of things going on. Church attendance is low. A lot of people don't want to hear Jesus. They don't want to hear God. They don't want to hear prayer. They don't want to hear connection, love, eternity. They don't want to hear these things. And so we should... This was a concept that was brought up to me about a year and a half ago. Was, I feel so much compassion for the Pharisees. A good friend of ours said that. And I was blown away by that because I'm like, no, they're the villain of this story, you idiot. I'm (laughs) like, we got to have our villains. And he's like, he's like, no, like they were, they were doing so many things that they were in love with. And in a lot of ways it was working for them. And that made it so much harder for them to break into a very different storyline. And I think that's a good reminder for us about ourselves, about other people, about where, hey, this is challenging to rewrite a script sometimes. Maybe you have what you think is your final draft, and all of a sudden Jesus says, I've got a red pen, and we're going we're gonna to cross out a ton of paragraphs, mm-hmm. and you and it's some of the stuff that you actually like the best about your story. We're actually going to we're going to redline that. Hmm. And that hurts. It can hurt. Let me let me say that depending on how much we're identifying with those parts of the story. Those are the harder parts to give up. Yeah. That's very good. I don't know if it's very good. Tell me why that's good. Well, to me, it allows God to be the architect of the story. I need help telling my story, not just my in my past, today, right? How am I going to explain the world today? Because it's going to 
impact the way I experience the world. The person that's driving like a nutball going down the street, right? Do we get angry and say, ah, you know, you're violating my right to drive down the street in a safe manner? Or are we going, boy, it's kind of sad that someone is living with this passively or actively suicidal tendency (laughs) to not care about anyone else. There is an explanation of the world that is creating that person's experience with the world that is not pretty. True, but both of those things can be true at the same time. You probably don't like somebody speeding around your neighborhood, putting other people in danger, and that person can be struggling. And sometimes it's difficult to hold somewhat conflicting views at the same time about the same story. I think that's a tricky space that oftentimes I don't have the capacity for. I want it to be one way, and then I want to move forward. I want to move on. Yep. And I keep coming back to the question of just how did Jesus explain the world? Because if if we're supposed to be walking and have an opportunity to walk in this life like he did, his explanation impacted his experience. How did he explain challenges, suffering, pain, consequences, the spiritual battle, relationships? I love the story where um, you know they came up to a town and the town didn't want Jesus and his disciples to come in and the disciples are like, do you want us to call fire from heaven down and blast this city? What a great just sneak peek on the disciples' explanation of the world impacting their experience of the world, right? Definitely. They don't want That's to- more like us than, you don't want than I would care to boom than I would care to admit. But yeah, that's that's more of my mindset. Yeah. And Jesus he didn't look at cities that rejected him in the same way that, that we do. He didn't look at people who called him names or even put him on a cross for Pete's sake. Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. He gave a different explanation to the people who drove nails through his hands and feet. Mind-blowing. That will always be the greatest plot twist in history. Right? Yeah. Well, that's why I love in the passion, the movie that Mel Gibson did, that it was his hand <laughs> that was holding up the hammer. He wanted he wanted everybody to know it was his hand that drove the nail through Jesus's. It, I didn't know this. Yeah. I remember when the movie came out, he's like, yeah, I'm, they're like, hey, are you in it? He's like, yeah, I'm in it. My hand's in it. <laughs> That's interesting. Because I'm the one that put him up there. I'm the one who has been forgiven by the blood that he spilled on the cross. Powerful. So how can we move through our day-to-day maybe challenging our explanation so that we can have a different experience with the world around us? I would say is it's probably linking up with another person and then peppering your story or their story with some what if questions. You're great at what if questions. Yeah, but where do we start? Where do we start? We're we're ha- we're having lunch and we're like, 
hey, yeah, let's uh, do a sneak peek on each other's explanation of the world behind us. Do we, do we start at um, your highs and lows? Tell, tell me in the last week what have been the, 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 the best of the best moments of your life and then the ones that just made you shake your head and go, oh, I cannot believe that just happened. Is it shaping and telling, learning how to tell the right story about those highs and those lows? I think first things first, we just need to put ourselves in the position to succeed by blocking out time to spend with other people. I think the conversations will unfold as they're meant to and that we can get into the story editorializing, but maybe it's just putting ourselves in the position to succeed. And saying, I'm going to get coffee with somebody. If if that's all I have time for, I'm going to get coffee. If that runs over time, maybe I'll allow it. Maybe I'll spend a little bit more time in prayer today. Maybe I'll spend a little bit more time with somebody that I respect, admire, want to get to know better, somebody with whom I haven't connected in a while. But so much of, I would say, if we're personalizing this, how many times did we meet at that coffee shop and shoot the breeze on such a variety of subjects? It wasn't always scriptural. It was establishing a friendship. It was establishing trust. So I think it would be quite a, it'd be challenging to just call somebody out of the blue and be like, do you want to do a cross-sectional story examination? Let's take the magnifying glass and really sort this thing out. Yeah. I'm ready. I've got a, you know, story sandpaper in hand yeah. and I am ready to whittle you down. What do you say, pal? That's not how these things work. I think it's just making time for another person and saying, I'm going to be totally present with you in this moment and we're going to see where it goes. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And, what's and, your, what's your call out on that? Yeah, how do how do we do it? One of the things that came to mind is an exercise I did at graduate school uh, called a life map. And it, um, it, it had you go through and write every single significant event and significant person, good or bad, in, in your life. I mean, this was like a four Whoa. hour journey of doing all of these different things. And it wasn't a pleasant journey for me. I really didn't <laughs> enjoy it. Was that. it for anybody? And okay, let's check. Quick pause. Why was that not a pleasant journey for me? Part of it is because of my explanation. The way I explain and look back, I don't like looking back. When I look back, I see missteps and sins and goofs and disappointing things. That's my explanation. But that's what this whole thing was designed to do is to, to create, okay, who are the positive people that had influence? Who are the people that uh, push your train off its tracks and what happened? So you get done with this whole thing and you feel like a wet noodle at the end of it. <laughs> and, and then there's one question that rocked my world 
how did God use that? How has God used that? And all of a sudden, meaning and God just burst onto the scene because I looked at some of these places of devastation, whether it was someone else doing something bad to me or me doing something bad to me. And I'm like, oh, that's how God is using that. Hmm. And Nice perspective shift. It is, and it's something that we need to keep doing. And I love what you said. Let's get close enough for people so that when we do start seeing highs and lows and maybe seeing someone saying, uh, interpreting a story maybe in a way that is so hard on themselves. We talked last last podcast a little bit about shame. If you start looking for shame, you see it everywhere. You sure. see people have explained, I'm not doing enough here, I'm not doing enough here, not doing And what a great way of loving people to go, well, oh, all right, well, what would enough look like? Well, how many of us have PhDs in identifying negativity in ourselves and others? <laughs> if we're if we're flexing that skill set and how many hours we've put into it, I think most of us are experts. Yeah. Are we not? Well, I don't know if we can see it in ourselves. I can see it in you. I can see where your story and your experience, um, I think, uh, my wife is always <laughs> telling me, it will be so certain on your conclusions even for other people. I'm like, sure, yeah, sure. That's fantastic. Humility, humility. We draw a hypothesis. I think I might know places where your story might, Find a better, healthier explanation that'll help you live a lighter, more God-centered life. And you probably see the same for me. And that's why we need each other. And you said some nice things earlier about the what you've poured into me. And and you have likewise done the same thing for me. Your, your heart of curiosity and uh, authenticity has brought my heart to a larger place. You know, you Talk about the Grinch, right? The the Grinch had this tiny little heart, and his heart was enlarged somehow in that story. And now trying to live life with a bigger heart is a new thing that we need to try to figure out. Okay, I have this new strange love. I have this new strange explanation of my story. I have this new strange heart's connection to the people around me where I really truly care about them, not for self-interest sake, but for their sake. And uh, so hopefully in this podcast, we've been able to explore, this was inspired by a guy that wrote a sports mindset book. And he's like, yeah, you know what? The explanation that you have given will impact your experience today. What a valuable thing we can do for ourselves and others. Start saying, man, I need to have a healthy explanation of the world if I want to walk through this world the way Jesus did. When you're linking up with somebody today, tomorrow, the next day, and if you are on the receiving end of something negative, the one of the greatest gifts you might be able to give is simply the question, what if there's another explanation for that? And that's probably going to lead you headfirst into a spiritual conversation, and you can ask some follow-up questions. But if you don't know somebody's spiritual compass, their background, that's a safe question, and that's a helpful question, is what if there's another explanation for that? Mm -hmm. I think that's something we need to be mindful of, is that 
not everybody is in that receptive space where they're ready to hear. Well, you know, Jesus has a much better story that he has authored for you. I know that if you asked me that question or told me that in my early 20s, I would have rejected you and walked in the other direction. So I think a lot of the prerequisite relational stuff is meeting people where they're at, but coming in with the same heart, coming in with the same heart. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yep. I love that. So good. Well, hopefully there's something of value here um, that was a blessing to you. And if not, sometimes when we hear something we don't like, <laughs> you can even create space for God to go, boy, I don't like that. I don't like the way that I don't want to, I don't want to think about some of the traumatic events in my past, my childhood. Who wants to do that? Boy, even that alone can create some great space for this. And Alex, I appreciate being able to do these podcasts with you. Likewise. And it's fun. I think we both learn. We probably get more out of it than our listeners do, but I appreciate you in this time. And uh, thankfully, God's given us this opportunity. Thank you for listening to us, and I uh, hope you have a great day.